1: welcome everyone to another episode of the mind sculptors podcast i am your host callahan On today's episode, we aren't going to rickroll you this week. Don't worry about it. Uh, I am joined by Josh from Elder Drunken Highlander to discuss how to get better at CEDH through playing casually at casual commander. Uh, This was a really great conversation. Josh and I got to talk a little bit about this at Oktoberfest back in November, and we recorded this episode at the beginning of December. And yes, I know the title is How to Succeed in CEDH without really trying, but that was just a little nod at my theater friends out there in the audience. Uh, This actually was a really good conversation, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it, Uh, so please uh, enjoy. Uh, But before we get into that, let's take a moment to talk about today's sponsor, Dragon Shield. Dragon Shield sleeves are the only sleeves that I trust on my cards, and I've been using them for nearly seven years. Their petrol mat sleeves are my personal sleeves of choice. And if you use our Dragon Shield link to get yours, you will be supporting the Mind Sculptors channel. So go ahead, go into the description of the episode, click on our Dragon Shield affiliate link to get your sleeves today. With all that said... Let's get into my conversation with Josh. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's a friend of the podcast is uh, our our drunken friend, uh, Elder Drunken Josh. Uh, And uh, that's what they call me sometimes. (laughs) That's what they call you. Um, You. did really well at, uh, what was it? Oktoberfest with, uh, yeah. Brawlin in Shabraz was a pleasure to see that go. And, um, like we really that, that was like the first time I feel like you and I actually got to talk, talk. Yes. Uh, we've like, kind of like talk, like pass by Discord Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've never actually got to sit down and chat and we talked a lot at, uh, Oko. So, uh, it was, it was really cool, but um, so we, we talked about this idea of how you kind of feel that playing casual EDH makes you a better magic, or a, a better player at CEDH. 100%, and, yeah. And uh, I think this is a really intriguing idea, because I feel like a lot of people who play CEDH will look at you and be like, well, what do you mean? You're just there to goof around. So, when it, when it comes to this sort of idea of playing casually makes you better competitively. What is sort of the like thesis idea behind? that? Well, there's, there's
0: a lot of reasons, like little reasons that kind of combine together to right. basically just form the ultimate conclusion that when you, when you play casual EDH, you just become a, a better magic player. Um, it's putting the CDH is um, very narrow just by like the nature of how CDH is and you want your format to be super narrow. You want your decks to be as efficient as possible. Right. And, um, a lot of times, uh, if you, people who only focus on the competitive aspect of stuff miss a lot of other parts of the game that could inform their CDH player, improve their CDH play because they're focused on grinding mm-hmm. CDH games. I think also um, the environments that you play casual EDH in are much more similar to tournament environments, paper tournament environments than the environments that you play CDH in normally. Like, when you practice CDH on, like, the RCDH Discord or any online space, um, unless you're specifically practicing for Chaos tournaments, like, it's not going to help you much for actual paper in tournament practice. What I mean by that is, like, just being used to being in a loud, distracting, in-person play environment where things happen that are outside your control and you need to be able to react to them. And, like, so... Like, uh, Adam... At Tier One Con, like one of the one of the people who was spectating a game, like accidentally said something that revealed information about someone's hand. Yeah, and like like that's something that you just got to be ready for in a tournament. Um, it's something that occurs all the time when you play casual, though. Like at the LGS, you get people watching the games. They'll make a comment about a card in someone's hand, and like because it's a low pressure environment, it lets it gives you the opportunity to practice those types of scenarios in right. uh, in a way that. You know, you're more prepared for it in a tournament, right? Um, maybe, maybe you notice a spectator looking at someone's hand at a tournament, and you like, 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 hey, I, I actually did that at um at Oktoberfest. Yeah, my friend uh, Jason was with me and spectating, and I had to like, it's actually in the vlog. I had to be like, dude, you cannot talk while you're spectating a game. You're not allowed to say anything. <laughs> you're not allowed to point the phone at my hand in a way that people can see it. Right? Like, you, yeah. Like, like you need to be quiet. Um, that was.
1: That was one of the mm. things we we talked about on uh our episode where with Lua Reed, Ian and I, where we were kind of like debriefing where it was just like one of the things we thought was really interesting about Oko was that in at least in the first handful of rounds, there were a lot of people who clearly had never played competitive magic before. Um, yeah. which I thought was a very very interesting because as like a judge, I'm used to like walking into the, like the tournament hall and like all right we're on our game face um it's very very interesting uh yeah i think a lot so, of people are not
0: prepared for the the tournament environment right and i think honestly this this is kind of this is this is a bit of a controversial thing to say but like mm-hmm. if you are very comfortable playing in the casual environment and, it ha- and you can play cdh you can play your deck tight while having a side conversation, while saying something distracting to another player, like and and the the people you're playing against are not fully in that tournament mentality, you could totally just derail their entire game plan by asking them about their day. So yeah. like, and that's that's a, that's something that I've done before. Like in my in my <laughs> round one, I literally was like, oh, I really don't want this Eson player thinking about his game plan, so I like asked him about where he learned the deck and stuff yeah. like that. Like, and we you know so so. I think, I think would you play a lot in a casual environment where you'll get hit with those distractions, you'll get someone come up behind you at the LGS and be like, whoa, like I, I bought that pre-con too. That's an awesome pre-con. It prepares you to like, be able to like, A, either have that side conversation while still playing the game and practice that or practice being like, hey buddy, like I'm in a game right now. I'd love to talk to, talk to you about this afterwards. Right. Because yeah, I've had people come up to me in tournaments too, because they thought, I had just finished my match when I was like yep. tanking my combo and be like, So, what are you doing after the tournament? And I had to be like, Not right now. Not right I'm now. still
1: figuring out this round. Let <laughs> <Flip> me. <in. laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm
0: doing after I cast my dock side. Never, never mind after the tournament. So,
1: that's funny. Uh, one of yeah. the things uh, that I did at the tournament that I kind of like started practicing going in doing uh, was like, especially as a control player, was. I have this tendency where I want to play with my cards the whole time and what I started doing was uh, I watched Ken and since then I've watched Brian do this, but instead of just constantly looking at my cards, I just like on my turn, I'm holding them. I'm kind of, you, you know, you angle them a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that kind of kept happening at, at Oka was I kept seeing people's whole ass hands. Yeah. And I was just like, Hey, angle your body i can literally see your whole hand and i'm not trying to win that way um, yep. but like it's just setting my cards down looking at what i draw putting it down and trying to do that so that way you can like avoid those sorts of things and that's a like good practice but that being said um i think this is a really important topic because uh this is sort of my reasoning for it though is that CEDH is in this per- point where for like the last two well, really forever cedh has really just been a casual game it's just been casual edh just dialed to 11 right now we're starting to see tournaments we're starting to see real leagues we're starting to see a real competition uh actual competitive edh emerge and so there are things that you need to learn in order to be effective at that. And part of that is the social dynamic. So uh, with that being said, we we talked a little bit about this pre-show, but when it comes to deck building, and obviously we all kind of have our deck building philosophy that we do for CEDH, right? Like, it's like, okay, so my deck has chromox, solar, blah, 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 all this stuff. What is it that from a casual perspective, what does that bring to the table for a deck?
0: Well, I think um, casual, the card pool is like probably like 500, 600 times bigger than competitive EDH. Um, And so you when you're when you're building a deck in casual, um, if you're trying to build it in good faith. And what I mean by that is you're 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 trying to build a casual deck that will play appropriately at the table you're envisioning playing it at. You're not trying right. to be like, I'm going to play a casual deck that's going to make my friends want to play CDH with me because they can't play casual with this deck. It's going to ruin them every time. Like, that's not playing casual. That's pub stopping. Right. But if you're building a casual deck in good faith with the idea of, like, it's going to be balanced against, like, the decks that I know my friends are playing, and it's going to be prepared to face, like, the multitudes of strategy like in, in competitive edh you really only got to be prepared for three or four different things more or less right. right it's like you need to be prepared for graveyard combos you need to be prepared for like oracle console and there's a few other like niche things that that you really need to watch out for in casual you could die to combat damage you could die to any number of random combos there could be graveyard bullshit There could be just someone could just out tempo you someone could right. just outvalue you someone could put some ridiculous game state changing instance or sorcery or enchantment into play out of nowhere.
1: You can only attack left.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) stuff like that. And you need to build your deck to prepare for basically every instance, which is, I think a deck building exercise that a lot of CDH players could really use because it helps you, it helps you evaluate not necessarily what cards, because you're not really using the same cards, but like what effects are important for essentially preventing you from losing. Um, That's like, a difference in, and i think in cdh you want to you're trying explicitly to win in casual a lot of times you're trying not to lose as quickly
1: um right. well, and i it, think it, it's interesting though because like in brian brian's like like uh what was it uh his breakdown of his blue farm deck is he, he talked about in it is that it is a deck that has the ability to get in there really quick if it needs to but also is ultimately a grindy mid range control like mid range deck as he describes it Mm -hmm. that which first of all, when he said called blue farm, a control mid range deck, I felt so vindicated. Uh, I've been calling it that for so long. And now it's just like, he gets it. Uh, (laughs) But um, the idea that, you know, he always wants to make it to turn five. You know what I mean? If he can make it to turn five with a deck, then he's doing good. And so there there is something there about like playing not to lose, you know what I mean? I know you play mm-hmm. to lose, but uh, <laughs> I do play to lose. <laughs> the train conductor. <laughs> for for those who are not familiar with the card, there is a commander from uh Nucapena. Is it from the commander deck or is it from I the have No idea. Property? No idea. Uh but it is named to lose and Josh does have a delightful Uh, competitive deck called Mm. that is it's not my list actually
0: i i took it from my friend alice it's her
1: list okay well it is it is still delightful i love that deck it's really fun to play it's a fun deck (laughs) for skull clam because you draw draw cards i draw cards everybody i know i was like (laughs) i had that realization in our game i was like well if i play my
0: commander she only has one toughness and she'll die. and she'll die
1: It's like you're happy. I'm happy. it works out for everyone. <laughs> it was uh, great. We but, both draw uh, cards. But it, it, it's so interesting because you talk about that where there was there was a period of time in CEDH where we used to call, for lack of a better term, what we would describe as like inbred metas, right, mm-hmm. where you were only seeing interaction that was dealt for specific things. Mm -hmm. Where uh, and you would see less and less of the mana drains and of the, you know, spell pierces and the things that hit wider, uh, hit wider things. And it's interesting that you bring that up because you really do when you're talking about like a casual environment, you really do have to be able to be like, okay so I need a Rex age effect. I need something that can deal with artifacts, enchantments, because. There's gonna be something that's stupid. Yep, someone's gonna play I'm, like Helm of the
0: Host or
1: right uh,
0: Lithiform Engine, and you're gonna have to kill it or lose next turn. So yeah.
1: yeah, so that that's really interesting, uh, like perspective in it. So for you, when it comes to your deck building, are, do you have like any like examples of things that you have taken straight from casual and brought over into lists that you play in CDH?
0: Oh yeah, I have a really good example. The card Occult Epiphany in Brawlin and Shabraz is one of my favorite cards in the deck. Every time I show the deck list to someone, they tell me to cut the card. They don't understand what it does. And what it does is it draws you and discards you X cards, which is like pretty mediocre. I don't actually think it's even the best draw X, discard X that you could run. I think read the runes is better for explicitly that purpose, but I'm not running mm-hmm. that. But what it does that's really good is it makes a bunch of 1-1 spirits. And like that's something... What I learned from playing casual is sometimes just having a bunch of creatures is really good and I won my um my quarterfinals match because of cult epiphany the spirits killed multiple players i'm not even joking they they literally won me the game i had four spirits and like someone had to steal one to prevent themselves from dying it was right. awesome so like and i think it's because and the, i had that realization because brawl and Chabras, um it's a turbo deck but it's a turbo deck that doesn't mind being in a stalled board state because uh, if I'm in a stalled board state, I still have like a five, five commander. That's, that's fine with me. Um, so a lot of the, a lot of the philosophy behind behind the deck is I want cards that are good, both in a turbo situation and a stalled board state. And I think most of my, because honestly, I, because I pretty much only play turbo decks. I really don't like playing mid range or control. I play like mid range decks that are secretly turbo decks. Yeah. Um, just because I'm not very good at playing the long game, like my quarterfinals match, I literally said, "Is this how Charles feels like all the time?" I absolutely hate this. I came up to him later in the day. and I was like, "I just, I just played a match that was a three v one for 45 minutes, and it was stressful and exhausting, and I don't want to do it ever again." Why do you play to this situation every single game you're in? You're some kind of some kind of demon, man, Charles. I, we
1: we discussed <laughs> this at Oktoberfest, but Charles has done some, you know deal with an Eldritch deity. We don't know who or what or why, but because of that, he has unbelievable luck, but
0: (laughs) he's also really good at casual EDH. Yes, he is Charles. And the reason for that is because he will play casual EDH the same way he plays CDH, which he's trying to create a situation or a board state in which he's advantaged, and he can just use his words and a few cards every turn cycle at the most to keep that advantage until he wins. And that's a lot, like, that's a lot of casual decks' game plan, Right. is to have the best board state, and then just talk everyone into letting them win in the next three to four turns. And so that's another, like, that's another way that you could either, if you're playing a deck that's trying to, like, get into a, a like a combat-related scenario where you're beating everyone to death, or if you're scared that you'll be in that scenario you know like i'm playing rogue silas i cannot win in that if we, the game state gets to that point i lose and so it, it's good to practice like see what things if anything you can leverage in that kind of game state and like right. that's not something that you'll see that often when you're playing cdh but you get to practice that game state like almost every casual edh game and so, also oh
1: go ahead oh no 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 go mm-hmm. ahead don't also
0: to- like in those game states, threat assessment becomes huge, and I see this a lot with CDH players, is they don't really remember how combat stuff works. <laughs> um, they... People... Are, I think as there's a there becomes like a point in a lot of stalled-out games where um, combat just becomes far and away the best way to win, and I yeah. think a lot of CDH players um, don't realize that as quickly, and I think they're still trying to stop combo attempts when they're getting beaten to death by a 4-4 flying haste. Yeah. Um, and so I think if people played a little bit more casual, they'd be able to recognize like, Oh, I've seen this play out before I lose in four turns. If I can't stop this. Right. And so well, like, and,
1: and that's one know. of the things that I I've always had to explain to people with threat assessment is because especially with Arden is people will see it, do the skull clamp thing once and be like, Oh man, you're going to like win with this. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like the most fair use I could possibly have of this <laughs> ability. Like this is a li- I'm literally just the police. Like that's that is all I'm doing. Like I'm just Um
0: and your and deck, so, I th- I think your um, deck is a deck that like plays similarly to a casual EDH deck in that like not that it's a casual deck and right, not a right, good right. deck, but like you're trying to create a game state where you can like basically outvalue the board, beat everyone to death, and then sometimes you win with Thoracle Console and sometimes you win with Swords. And yeah. that's that is a lot of similar games. A lot of casual EDH decks have, like, I have really good creatures. I'm going to attack with them. Sometimes I oops into a combo. And so playing against, I feel, like, I feel like playing against casual decks prepares you to play against those kind of decks. The other thing, too, is um, a lot of casual players don't play in good faith. They yeah. they can be kind of mean. And I think being able to identify when someone's trying to shark the table at it, like, be able to sit down across from someone be like, all right, that guy's got sus vibes, I think is an extremely useful CDH skill. Being able to ide- be like, I don't like how that guy's looking at my commander. I don't like how they seem to be thinking about, like, like they're asking questions that are making me nervous. I'm mm-hmm. going to be watching them for this game. I think they're probably at a higher skill level than the other two opponents in this game. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's, like, super common in casual. There's massive skill gaps, and being able to identify and then exploit those skill gaps is really important for CDH, especially if, if you're a in the early rounds of swiss or if you haven't won the early rounds of swiss right. so like there's a lot of times where uh, in casual someone will make like they'll go to doomblade something that shouldn't be doomblade and you have to be like whoa 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 buddy buddy let's let's put that back in your hand let's think about this for a second and then you have right. to like talk them into the correct threat assessment play and that's something where like, i see so many if there's so many CDH players after a tournament. It's like a stereotype where, like, I lost the game because player X just didn't know what was going on and did yeah. something wrong. And, like, that's kind of your fault. You should have control of player X. You should be like, player X, like, you need, you, what you're doing is causing this, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a bad outcome for us. You need to explain why. And, like, that's something that you don't get a lot of opportunities to practice um, for CDH practice because I feel like most people do the collaborative CDH thing. Mm-hmm. Which is great for knowing your lines and it's great for knowing your deck and having your opponents like be like, oh, yeah, no, you need to like exile these cards to, to breach and then get your grinding station and whatever. Like that's helpful for like learning your combo, but it's it's not helpful for um when you actually need to execute it and your opponents don't have your best interests in mind.
1: So, so yeah. let me let me let me ask you this, because this is this is very interesting is. Because it feels like to me like you're coming at this very much from a it's a social game we need to talk with our opponents right, and not yes. like because it really comes down to it feels like to me is that there are, are two sides i feel mm-hmm. like in c e d h right now where there's the the group to where who are like hey board needs to talk all of these things, and then there's the other group, which is the shut up and play player mm-hmm. and you know it, how how in a like does the shut up and play stuff translate in casual do you think or is it just not a a way to play at all in casual play there are definitely
0: casual players who have the my roommate is a shut up and play type of person in casual Mm -hmm. like you he plays voltron and you could beg you could argue you could you could say all you want but he'll say shut up and take 21 damage Mm -hmm. and like being, I think that's it's, it's a thing in all types of magic. I think being able to be able to, because like it's not even. I wouldn't say that being like shut up and play is a bad table talk strategy. I think it really depends on you as a player and a person and what you can leverage. Right. Um, if I feel like, because um, I I use both. If I feel like I um, either am disadvantaged at the table to the point like um, when I played against uh, Reed and Linden in uh, Pont City. I shut the fuck
1: up. My condolences.
0: <laughs> I, I won that game.
1: I won it. I yeah. did it. But but I was like, okay,
0: I know for a fact both of these guys are more experienced table talkers than I am. And this third person is just going to get mind controlled if we turn it into an argument between the three of us. So I'm going to shut up and let them fight it out amongst themselves. Yeah. And that's some. It's that was something that I don't think I would have been able to identify and do if I didn't play casual EDH so much. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important an important skill to have. So then also just being able to like know when it's time to shut up and play and when it's time to try and like get some extra information from your opponents, direct them into doing something that might prevent the table from losing or stuff. Being able to make that assessment is something that takes a lot of practice. And I think in a lot of, if you're a less experienced CDH player, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities to make those assessments in CDH practice games with more experienced CDH players.
1: Right. And so, you know, it, it, it's interesting because we talk about how in the earlier rounds of the tournaments, right, you you see these kinds of, uh, as you would describe it, it's easier to mind control people into yeah. doing things. And, you know, something you learn when you play at these, play at the LGS, which is something, you know, we, we talked about. I don't know if we've said it on here yet, but is that a lot of people who play CEDH play online. Which yes. is a much—I think we said this earlier in the show. Which is a much different environment than when you're playing IRL. Whether it's you know all the distractions you mentioned, but mm-hmm. even just reading facial expressions, yes, you know tone, body, all that stuff. What is it that from if you are a CEDH player and you're wanting to hone that skill? Um, how do you learn? to play collaborative CEDH at a casual table?
0: Well, I think I think you should keep collaborative CEDH to the CEDH tables and be as cutthroat as possible at the casual tables, which doesn't mean pub stomping. It means well, what I would suggest is getting an unedited pre-con or borrowing someone's weaker deck and trying to shark the table with the weaker deck. Because you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to manipulate players. It's, there's mm-hmm. no other way to win with a weaker deck in casual, unless you manipulate players. Right. It's gonna force you to practice those skills, and it's also gonna force you to identify like which players will be like. If you can identify which players are making big plays in the next few turns, you could point that out to other players and try to get them to do something about it. It helps with your threat assessment because you really don't have any other way of winning besides right. being like, please, please stop him from casting Crater Hoof on his turn. So. It's it's actually like a really great learning experience and a really good great, great practice environment, just trying to be cutthroat and casual with a weaker deck. I don't think you learn anything if you have a stronger deck than your opponents, or if you have an equal deck and you're just way more skilled than they are. But if you're like like, hey guys, like play your play your favorite decks. I bought this pre-con today, I want to try this, like that's a really great way to learn because you're gonna see, first of all, like a lot of casual players would love to tell you about their deck and their strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it's like very obvious when someone's gonna, gonna pop off and you can start to learn tells and stuff like that. Um, and then also you can also, you can also practice cause a lot of casual players also are doing the same thing. They're trying to look for your tells. They're trying to look for like what you're giving away. They're going to try and bluff. So you can also practice having that used against you. One thing that I learned in casual is I noticed, um, um, I noticed my roommate, Kevin sometimes will like just call when I have interaction in hand. And I was like, how does he do this? How does he do this? And it's because when I had an interaction card in my hand, I would shuffle it to the front of my hand and then sh- move all the other cards in my hand besides it when it was my turn. <laughs> and I, I had to break that habit. But like, I was like, how does he do this? How does he do this? And it took me a while to be like, oh, he's watching my left hand. There's there's a lightning bolt in my left hand. Like, and so that's like a, that's something that you literally can't learn online. You can't right. learn that playing online. Like I only know one person in the entire world who plays with face cam online effort not I, I know one cdh player in the whole world who uses a face cam when they play online yeah and like other than that like nobody else does and i i think it's i think you're doing a disservice to yourself if you show up to a paper tournament and you haven't practiced paper commander i don't think it needs to be cdh i think just paper commander in general is the best yeah. way to i think honestly casual is a better environment to practice that stuff because it happens literally every game almost every turn cycle
1: yeah yeah. I I I'm really blessed because we have a uh, a few years ago I took over the uh commander scene in uh, the, the league here in Lincoln yeah. and one of the things I did was I kind of turned it into a Friday night magic sort of league so it was like competitive but it was just you know bring your best deck do what you can and you know we'll play it through the through the season and uh you know I stepped back once I started making content but i started going back and playing more and I go, I, I was at the lowest table and I was sitting against like three other really good decks and players. And I was just sitting there and I was like, okay, this place is leveled up. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's they, the thing
0: too is a lot of casual players are not like, I think there's an assumption among CDH players that casual players are bad at EDH. No casual is straight up harder than competitive EDH, like straight up. Like, as someone who's played both for... I played casual since 2010. I played CDH since 2013. Casual is straight up harder. Being a successful casual player is way more difficult than being a successful CDH player because there's just so many more factors that go into it. The card pool is bigger. Your like pool of opponents and decks that you have to go against are bigger. The strategies you have to prepare for are bigger. And if you just go over the top and build a better deck, no one will play with you. So it's... it's uh, I think it, I think it's honestly more difficult and because of that i think cdh players have a lot to learn from a lot of casual players who might just like be playing casual and not cdh maybe because they just don't really care for cdh or just because they just haven't been introduced into the format or because it's stigmatized but some of the best magic players that i've ever played against primarily play casual brian koval is a really really good casual player i played casual with him a lot at oktoberfest and i was just really impressed by not only his casual play, but also his casual deck building. It was just fantastic. He, did, he, had, he was doing a lot of unique stuff, he was I doing think, a lot of cool stuff, and he was balancing it to like a reasonable level 2, which was wonderful to see.
1: I think a lot of people, for some reason or another, uh, just wasn't expecting Brian to be as savvy as he was about the format. And... He's a good magic player. He he is an excellent magic player who did his homework and learned the format for like basically two years and like really studied it and then also studied EDH and is a lover of that stuff. And like he he takes it very seriously and it's been really cool to see his dive into it. I was on I, I got to play with him in his very first EDH game with uh, Pleasant Kenobi and uh that was an interesting game. I will say that. <laughs>
0: I know Pleasant Kenobi plays Cdh. I've only uh, heard him say bad things about the format. Well, he, you know,
1: it, it's, it's Vince, you know? Yeah. He, just says he, does, he does
0: mostly say bad things. I, I, I really like his content, but I've, I, I have no like, idea he I, plays I,
1: I, I like his content, too. I, I also like Vince, uh, but, you know, he's really good at uh, the content game is how I usually describe it. Um, he really knows how to hit SEO and all that stuff. Yes. Um, so let me ask you this. Because there's there's this interesting thing here where, you know, not to, you know, be that guy, but, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about the the way in which, like, Survivor plays into like EDH and the like social oh. dynamic of it.
0: I was hoping we get yeah. into this.
1: <laughs> oh okay. I, I I I I'm I I'm glad. Uh because a lot of the things that I kind of feel like that bring to the table with that analogy is the idea of, you know, like a great example is in my seventh round match I was playing against Surreal and two other players. And surreal, like every turn we were we were on the cusp of losing to him, and the entire time I had to we we the other two players and I had to like have players' meetings effectively to like <laughs> okay, how do we not die to this And we were like, okay, we have this, we have this, we have this, okay cool, we should be good for this turn. let's see if this works, okay, break, and then <laughs> like that was that was the whole thing, and the moment I had an opportunity to win uh when i hadn't had an opportunity up until that point i immediately took it and I won the game nice. and it, it's one of those things where it's like they were my teammates for 99 percent of that game until my window opened and that Do you was think my they chance they saw it coming, coming? no Do you think nobody saw coming? it coming
0: ah that's okay
1: so like it was i feel
0: like i feel like that's that's like a really good example of why casual is a great environment to practice it. Cause that kind of stuff happens all the time in casual. Well, and, LA, and, and yeah. to be
1: fair, I didn't even see it coming. I did top deck like a God, but yeah. <laughs> it was the best top deck I've ever seen in my life. But um, you're, you're right. It is something you see a lot in casual where it's like all of a sudden uh, one player has a window of opportunity and then they win. Yeah.
0: it's like, the 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 thing that happens a lot in casual games is like you'll have a player in a dominant position mm-hmm. the other three players will be like all right we got to take him down we're going to blow up his mana rocks you kill his commander i'll counterspell his next thing on his turn we got this but then the all three of those players are also still scheming to win and so right. it's it's a you have to be able to like be able to make alliances with players while also being like, I still don't trust Callahan. I know he's got Thorical <laughs> console in his deck somewhere. And I know he's just one tutor away from getting me. Right. So and I think um, that's something I noticed at Okotoberfest, not so much of the other tournaments, but Okotoberfest especially was like, there's a lot of people who, if you just like <laughs> approach them in a really nice way about the collaborative CH thing, they'll just like default to it. Yeah. That's that's not good. <laughs> 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 this is a turn and you should be letting me tell you what to put into play with your your uh commander or your uh, your oswald or your um or tell me what to put into play with like your your tutor that you're tutoring for a stacks piece to stop somebody right uh but a lot of people i think um were not ready for someone to just be like hey man like i see what you're doing but did you consider like the following things that like probably weren't on your mind you should do this instead and a lot of people are like wow this person okay they don't think much past it i think that's that wouldn't work on a casual player for the most part. Most of my friends who I play casual with, they would be like, yeah, um, uh, how inappropriate can I be in this contest, uh, c- contest in this podcast? side. Note. Oh,
1: go for it, you know,
0: because right. i be like, yeah, me, um, just
1: don't get me demonetized. That's all.
0: You know. They're like, yeah, I got a card that can help you right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my friends would do if I was like trying to do that, that collaborative thing with them. Um, like, or like, yeah, my combo is like right here, buddy. <laughs> so like <laughs> the, that's, it was actually like, I was like floored that that actually worked multiple times at Oktoberfest. While so I was like, well, don't you want to do this instead? And they're like, huh? Yeah, I do. And I'm like, all right, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think practicing playing with people who are trying to socially manipulate you, literally every play that you make might be beneficial to a lot of people. Cause I think everyone's used to helping each other practice is what the feeling that I got. And mm-hmm. even with me, um, it, like I sometimes fall for it, especially if it's someone who's like in my practice group and they gave me like, what sounds like a good faith suggestion. And then I get got, I'm like, Oh, you were sandbagging. You told me to interact <laughs> there. And oh. like, it's, it happens. And like, I'm always thinking about this stuff. Cause I love it. It's my favorite part of the game, but I get got a lot. Yeah. by Like people I trust. So you can't, you, you
1: have a, to, yeah. oh just just one of the things i've really learned uh playing with like pongo and uh playing with uh, sick in spleen is that like if it, like they're always talking but the minute they start talking about what you're doing to the rest of the table that means they don't like it and that that is a like one of those things where i i will like always say this now is it's just like anytime pongo mentions something in a game i'm just like hey just a heads up i don't know if you've noticed this but pongo hasn't mentioned a thing up until this point and now pongo's talking i think that should let you know that it's probably not the best to listen to what Pongo's saying. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: that's a great
0: heuristic that you can use when you're ta- playing against people who are trying to table manipulate like that. You can mm-hmm. you can always be like, well, let's look at the patterns. Like, what were they saying before this uh this null rod got played? Or like, right. what were they saying before I put this heuristic study into play? Nothing? Yeah, so this probably stops them from winning. And like that's that's something that it's it's really good to have a plan for when someone tries to do that. You need to you need to have like some kind of like, all right, well, this is what I'm going to say to derail this person if I think they're going to say something about this. And in order to be able to form that plan, you have to recognize when that person is going to try and say stuff. And so I think the best way to do that is putting yourself in those situations all the time. And uh, those situations occur most often when your way of winning is six four fours
1: and not <laughs> a combo. <laughs> What are you talking about? I never try to just win with combat damage. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. so, Honestly, like you're you're one of the best people to talk
0: to about this because your deck is is such like a, a casual style deck. It's trying to it's trying to create those scenarios where you can just outtalk the table and everybody's confused and then you well, win out of in, nowhere.
1: One of one of the things that I really like really like about Arden Silas is it's very easy to sit and have a conversation with when you play your commander, you do the thing, and somebody's like, you should probably remove the Arden, and you can sit there and be like, listen, Arden, do you really want to waste your piece of removal on Silas? Like, is this really what you want to use it on, or do you want to wait and hold on to that for the, you know, win con stuff that is coming from the commander-reliant decks? I can function without my commanders. They can't, and uh, I've I've used, said that a lot. And it's one of those things where having a like this is one of the, the the social dynamic things that I've talked about a lot. Is that the commanders you choose, like really say a lot about you as a player and how people perceive you? Because if you sit down with Arden, people are like, "Okay, so you're doing something with equipment," and then. But okay, well, that's probably not that bad, bad of a deal. And then you do the skull clamp thing and you kind of have to walk your way through skull clamp a little bit. But um, <laughs> that's, like,
0: like, that's like one of the really important things I don't think enough people think about for tournaments is your first impression on the table mm-hmm. is going to influence how people interact with you. Yeah. If you show up, everyone's like, this guy is scary. Holy crap. You're probably going to face more resistance to you show up and are like, this guy looks tired as all get out or you show up and like, wow, this guy's just here to have fun. So it's, I think, and, and that's something that a lot of casual players do intentionally is they cultivate a, they cultivate a game persona. Yeah. And I think a lot of CDH players also have a game persona. That's not necessarily beneficial to them winning. Yeah. I think if you play more casual, you, uh, you'll learn that like being, being, um, being kind of sharky is a good way to get you targeted Yeah. And being nice is a good way to make people forget that you're their opponent.
1: (laughs) That's, that's, I mean, you've played with me. That's one of the things that I do is I'm just over the top. I'm a goofball. That's me. You're great at it. I just, I I goof off the entire time. And Mm -hmm. it's like, part of it is me just trying to have fun. But like, also Mm -hmm. part of it is just like, you know, if I can get you to laugh, that might make you not want to it might make you more willing to listen to me than uh, exactly. If I show up and I'm like, uh, for our our audio listeners can't see what I'm doing, but I'm just here. I'm gonna do this, and it's that's all you need to know, right? <laughs> they and, know y- you hear the sound and you know what I'm doing. Uh, is because you, you know I've sat down across from those players, and everybody's done that at like a modern tournament, right? As you sit down, and yeah. your Well, it's different in one v one? You don't oh, have to yeah. like your
0: opponent or talk to your opponent in one v one. Which, but in Commander, which is, if you don't talk, you'll get targeted.
1: Yes, and it, it, it's one of those th- that is exactly why I don't like 1v1. Honestly. Yeah, we've had this conversation before. Is, We're both
0: not 1v1 fans. I,
1: I, I have tried to play Modern so many times. People are like, you gotta give it a chance. I'm like, I have played Modern on and off again since 2012. I was like, I think the format's really cool. I hate playing it because <laughs> mm-hmm. I sit down and I try to be funny I try to like interact with my opponent and they just won't talk. And I'm just like, fine, I don't want to play where I can't sit and have like, like, because there is a part of me that just wants to, like, talk to people, too. But in but if we aren't going to sit there, like one of the things I've said a lot of times is if I see somebody just laying cards down onto the stack and not saying anything, I immediately I'm like, we need to one point that out to like. Pay close attention to that person because that person is like very intentionally not saying things. Yes. Um, yeah. I think
0: there's no easier way to target someone in Commander than being like, that person is not talking. They're clearly plotting something, or they clearly think that it's saying anything will reveal a the fact they're going to win on their next turn. Yeah. So I don't know. Blow up their mana rocks because we don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean,
1: that's, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> Louis kind of joked about this because in the game that we played, uh, she was like, I knew you uh, had a win in your hand because you were like not talking and you were like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. And you weren't being you. And she was like, so I knew you were like onto something. And I was like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta be yeah. more goofy. Uh- <laughs> that's,
0: that's why I like, I think there's two ways that you can try to hide those tells. And this is like not a magic thing. This is a gaming, a, a face-to-face gaming in general thing. You yeah. can either... And it's really obvious in poker, because there's like two types of players really who are like I don't know that much about poker, but I watch it a little bit. <laughs> but like there's players who like obfuscate and have ridiculous over-the-top like outfits and do like silly things during the game. They're they're just taking so many actions it's hard to determine what is a game related action and what is a non-game related action. Then you mm-hmm. have the players who have sunglasses on, they're stoic as all get out, you know. Yeah, no emotional reaction to anything. And like, like you'd be like, are they even looking at the cards or are they just playing by like feel? Like, yeah. And I think, I think there's advantages to, to both in, in a lot of games, but I think in magic, being, being silent is not, not a good thing when your opponents could be like, well, that guy is sus. We need to do something. I think it's way better to be jovial and talk to people or at least like be friendly and be like, hey guys, like I hope you have a really good game. It's serious magic time. Let's go. Like even just if you are a serious player who cannot play like with a side conversation or cannot play with somebody making jokes or saying things about the cards as they play them, then that's totally valid and that's totally fine. And you can ask your opponents to shut the fuck up. That's totally cool. But like you need to, you need to make sure that your impression of the, or the table's impression of you is somebody who's not being like, shut the fuck up so I could beat you. And you just yeah. being like, hey guys, like there's a judge call in the last match and someone got a GRV. I just want to make sure we're all playing tight this time. Yeah, Like you need to, you need to make sure that your opponents trust you. Basically. Yeah.
1: It's it's so interesting because it this is one of the things that I think is, I don't think enough CDH players get, but I really see when I play in my casual experiences with like Chase and Scott and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the list of people that I have played casual with, because honestly in my, I, I have not had many opportunities to play casually um, outside of very, very, very early on playing magic because my play group was just so competitive immediately that I had to either get on board or, you know, find a different group and they were my best friends. So I was like, all right, Thrasy was vile. It is. Um, and, from there on, like I haven't got to play a lot of casual, but since I've started to play uh more casually with some of these other creators i it it's interesting where it's like the way I tutor changes now, where it's like, okay, there's this thing, or I can get the fun thing, right, or I can get this thing that will impact that board state and it's it's interesting how the decisions you make, even if they aren't too Because, like, a good example is in, uh, like, Katari. It has the uh, top combo is just in it because it just is. All the cards synergize. It's not on purpose. I've had multiple opportunities to, like, play that out. But I'm like, either one, nobody's going to have fun with that. So nobody's going to want to play later. So that, you know, makes me more of a target again the next time I play this deck. or two is if I play this now, it's going to not happen. And then I'm going to be the target for the rest of the game because they're going to be like, Hey, they have this thing available and it's like, changed the way that I've tutored, uh, even in competitive games.
0: Yeah. That's like, a, that's a really good point. Cause like, that's kind of what I was saying with one of the unknown, like not unknown, but like lesser thought of difficulties of playing casuals. If you just go for it too often, You're either going to get 3v1 to every single game you play or just no one's going to want to play with you. Yeah. And so I think like learning how to like read the room is a really important casual skill and can be translated into CDH really easily. Yeah. Like really easily. And like what you're saying, like the way that you tutor is like what you say when you go get a card, how you respond to someone when they say, what are you getting? Which is something that I always ask someone when they tutor. I'm like, what are you getting? Or I will try to guess the card they're getting. I was like, oh, is it Fierce Guardianship to the top? That Vampire Tutor? Or like, because like their response will give me information. So it's it's good to be able to like have a heuristic again for when someone asks you what your tutor is. Like yeah. cast Vampire Tutor and they're like, oh, it's on turn one. And your opponent goes, oh, it's, it's Mana Crypt, right? Like you need to think in your head, like, am I going to say, yes, it's Mana Crypt and just reveal it to the table. So they leave me alone next turn. Or do I say something cryptic like you need to it, that's I think almost every single play in casual comes with that like verbal defense of what you're doing for a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of groups, not yeah. all groups, but a lot of groups. And I think a lot of CDH players could really benefit from a little bit of deflection from their plays, like especially like the tutor plays. If you're casting demonic tutor and you're not winning the turn that you cast it, there's going to be table talk about what you search for.
1: Well, like, it, I, I think a really good example of this, though in cdh is we've talked about brian a lot on this episode mm-hmm. but think about that finals match like mm-hmm. i think it was like turn six he tutors for a rhistic study with an e-tutor and i'm sitting in the booth and i see an e-tutor go onto the stack and resolve and i'm like oh this must be a win attempt and no it's just a risk today we're just chilling and like he, he even said after the fact like my game plan in that finals match was I'm just going to hang back. We're going to see what happens and we're going to go with the flow and you know, it worked out. And I feel like a, a worse magic player would have just tried to, thanks, Athena. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. You just did that, uh, underneath my, It's going to be underneath my audio and I hate it when that happens.
0: Um,
1: but I really feel like a, a worse magic player. Would have just gone for it.
0: Yeah, it takes a lot of confidence just to sit tight for that long. Yeah, like a lot of confidence. I wouldn't have done it. I, I'm a, I'm a hair trigger type of basketball
1: player. <laughs> I, I, I loved that he did that because I was like, that is such a like. All right, well, let's just hope we draw something. And like, that's like very much my style of play is to just like let the game kind of develop and deal with things as it comes instead because like. I've, I've tried playing the proactive strategies and I'm just like, man, I really just, it's very obvious when I have a win, when I'm playing proactively. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I play like very adaptively or reactively and I just kind of sit back and let the game kind of come is I tend to not be as for lack of a better word, cocky. And Mm -hmm. like, I've noticed that in myself and I'm like, okay, so my, my success rate has gone up when I have taken my, like how much I am being proactive down. Cool. So there is definitely a correlation there for me. Um, And that's like something I've talked about on this show too, is like playing to your strengths. Yes. You know, I don't think enough people do that is playing to what you do well as a magic. I think a lot
0: of CDH players don't play their strengths because they don't think their strengths are worth playing to. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like I feel like like you, you're very confident in the fact that you can play that control game. And I think a lot of CDH players are not confident that they could do that. I think that's another reason they should play casual. Well, it's not it, as hard as you think. It, it, I hate doing it. But it's that's also why I don't one do of those it, things like, where
1: I, I think part of that though is because like in CDH for so long there has been this. Uh, we've always talked about how it's like, well, everyone is a combo win and, you know, Charles has kind of come along and been like, I would just play mono white, win combo stacks. And when, you know, go undefeated and almost win a tournament, Uh, you know what I mean? Or, you know, you have me on the other hand, who's like, you know, I really want like playing control. I want to play control and I want to play actual control. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting to, to see how that kind of plays out because it's one of those things where like you have to be willing to challenge. I feel like challenge part of it is I really like being like a contrarian secretly. Um, what? <laughs> secretly. <laughs> I, I I always like, and this is one of the things I like proving people wrong is if somebody mm-hmm. says I can't do something, I'm like, no, fuck you. I want to do that. That's why um, I that, play Brolin and Shabras. <laughs> I Very, very funny. Like a good example of this is uh, we were at Charles's birthday party, and he was like, uh, "We were at this uh, Asian food place, and everybody had uh, chopsticks, and I've never used them before." And he's like, "Oh well, you know, it'll take you really long, and there's a lot going on, so you know, you won't. We don't have the time for you to figure it out." And I was like, "No, fuck you! I'm going to figure it out." and <laughs> it's like, all right, how do I do this? And then like within like five minutes, I got it figured out. And it's just, that part of that is who I am as a person is it's like, if Mm -hmm. you tell me I can't do something, you are just guaranteed that I'm going to do the thing. Uh (laughs) You can't lose to me at magic. No. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I don't know if that one will work. (laughs) we'll, We'll see. I mean, we I, I <laughs> certainly have lost to you at Magic.
0: Have um, you? I actually don't No, yeah, you, you one game. I beat you uh, one game. I think uh, usually when we play together, what happens is we take each other out and someone else yep, wins. Yep.
1: You and I just kind of bonk each other and then somebody is like, okay, Thoracle, and we're like, Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, that's how it goes. That's how it is. Um uh, mm-hmm. so f- finally, let me let me ask this kind of here as we're wrapping up. Um is okay, so I've made this decision, I want to play more casual, I want to expand my play group, and I want to Mm -hmm. learn more of EDH as a format, because it is one format. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest doing that for people? Because, you know, obviously, again, like I said, we've talked about, a lot of people are in these online spaces. How do you, I guess, break out of that?
0: Well, I think for starters, you have to be, you have to be okay with, uh, dealing with some people who you may not like, because mm-hmm. that is just what talking to strangers ha- is about sometimes. Yeah, And I think that's something that a lot of CDH players have trouble getting over with is they'll play a casual game. And they'll be like, that was toxic and like, yeah, uh, it is the most popular format. So it's going to have the most toxic people in it because it has the most people in it and is the lowest skill floor currently. And yeah. What to get. Well, I don't know if the lowest skill floor, but like the most accessible is probably it's the most accessible
1: say. format by like a country yeah. mile.
0: But like what you'll learn by doing that is A, how to deal with toxic people because they're in CDH too and they will try to be toxic in CDH games. But also, like, you're going to learn how to find not toxic people. Right. And like, so most of my play group is uh, from various clubs and game stores that I've been to. And I'm not really the type of person who enjoys playing in public spaces because, um, uh, various reasons, but like, I just get very frustrated with people who are playing magic just to pad their egos. And I butt heads with those people a lot. Yeah. And I usually find it better for the community. If I just leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I normally do, I've been doing it for like years is I'll go to a play space. I'll play it for a few weeks. And then the players who I think are like, cool. I'll like get their discord, get their phone number and bring them over to my apartment to start my own practice group. And most of my people who I practice CDH with in person, So I have like a little practice group of like six to eight uh, friends. Mm -hmm. Most of them started at casual and I trained them up to play CDH or like one or two of them are the people who taught me how to play a CDH. But the vast majority of the group is people who like, I went to my college magic club. I really liked this person. We played casual together for six to eight months. And then I was like, Hey, uh, this, uh, this deck that you're building with Rurik Thar, this is like 20 cards off from a CDH deck. Would you, would you be willing to try a CDH deck? Right. And yeah. And then that's how, that's how that happens. And that's, that's the other really nice advantage to playing casual is you can build your own CDH testing group with like people who are your friends. So if you say like, Hey guys, I'm going to tier one con. It's my first CDH tournament in paper ever. My last CDH tournament that I went to, I scrubbed out with this deck and I don't want to do that again. I'm having a thing at my apartment. I'd like you all to come in, target me every single game and try to distract me while I'm playing. Thank you. And like I did that and it worked amazingly. I top sixteen tier one con. Yeah. And like a lot of the stuff that I I was playing with loud music, I was playing with people intentionally trying to distract me. I was getting 3v1 to every game and I learned a lot. And because that was because I had friends who I made playing casual who were oh, willing man. to be like, if I give you beer and pizza, will you target me for four hours? If, I, like, if yeah. I
1: move out to your neck of the woods, you're gonna love me because uh I have severe ADHD and need nine thousand things going on. In order me for me to pay attention to a thing. Uh,
0: <laughs> yes, I feel like that's part of why I do so well in tournament environments is I like could use the ADHD brain to take in all that's going on around me yeah. and then focus on the important things, but then also drag those unimportant things into like the, the table space when I feel like it'll distract the other
1: players. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I totally <laughs> like, get it. <laughs> There's been multiple times where I've been like pointed out something at another pod Be like, "Whoa, that guy just ad nause on, on turn three! Crazy!" <laughs> just like because I want to see people's reactions. Do they have it in their hand? Are they doing something similar? I want to know what my table thinks of this other person's play. Yeah. I, yeah,
1: I I think it's really fun to see how you approach playing the game because I, I and this is something that I I don't know how I'll ever be able to do it, but I I want to do like a in person like game of magic that is filmed almost like survivor sort of so that you can get those like reactions in a way where you can see those things play out in real time uh because i feel like a lot of the time it's all like you don't see that stuff in the same way that you do in in content because it's brought from a perspective of making the content where it's everybody's in person, everybody has a face cam, everybody's on camera. And so you see all that happen and then like talk it back. And it was, I, I have no idea how I could make that happen, but if somebody wants to sponsor the channel and throw me a bunch of money, then I'll do it. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Josh, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, where can people find you? I know, uh, I, I named, uh, our recording session here, the drunk sculptors. Uh, So for people who don't know you, uh, where can people find you? I am um, one
0: third of elder, drunken Highlander. Um, uh, There's also uh, my co-host, Kevin and Austin. Uh, Kevin's the elder, uh, Austin's the drunken, and I'm the Highlander. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's three of us. We have a, we have a discord server dedicated to brewing um, casual decks mostly. And specifically like weird casual decks that like, when you look at the deck list, you're like, what "What?" (laughs) stuff like the, prismatic piper storm where the goal of the deck was prismatic piper is our commander it is the objectively correct choice to play in this strategy no other commander will do which we built that and it works great it's because it's a colorless white card you can clone pearl medallions and make it free um and then storm off with it which is hilarious um and like weird okay. stuff like that or like is it life gain <laughs> Rurikthar thar spellslinger. we just like to build weird decks um so if that's If you wanted to learn more about casual deck building, our Discord is a really great place to do it. A lot of people who are way better than me at casual deck building are on there. Someone's building mono green clones on our Discord right now. What? Because you just tutor Bramble Sovereign into play and then play Populate Effects. Okay. And you clone like Thorn Mammoth and stuff like that. With Thorn Mammoth says whenever it or another creature enters the battlefield, it fights something. So if you have five (laughs) of them... (laughs) so LOL yeah so that's one of the we have a we have a discord so we have a youtube channel where we post um lately it's been a lot of cdh stuff because i've been a little obsessed with cdh the last year or so we also post casual stuff and uh, we frequently do charity events under the moniker every donation helps hey. so um, yeah that's uh those are where you could find me
1: Well, that about wraps things up for us here today on this week's episode of The Mind Sculptors. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to rate the show on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Or if you are watching or listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and tell us down in the comments what your favorite part of the show was or just your general thoughts. I would also like to thank our top-tier patrons, Justin, Adam Hamden, David Snevely, Dioniches, Jason Bialik, Josh Stein, Matt Boehner, and Senior Coupon. If you too would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash The Mind or check out the link in the description. Thank you again for joining us, and from all of us here at The Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time.